All right, good morning. If you see anybody that's not here today, tell them I do bath. I do take a bath. We got a we got a skeleton crew out here today. I don't know where everybody got to. Uh, just keep it in the in prayer and keep it on the calendar. October twenty third through twenty sixth, so we'll be having our, our fall meeting here, our revival with Brother Jason Cornett. Um, the Sunday night will be at six, and then the rest of the week will be at seven o'clock. So keep keep that in mind and in prayer as well and then at some point between now and november 6 we'll we're going to show a little short video here one sunday morning we'll set it up and show you all the video on the cook family that we got to watch monday night at uh, the uh, fall meeting fall gathering of the avery baptist association so we'll get that set up so y'all can watch it's about what five minutes it was short but it packed a punch for a, a little short video and then we'll talk more about that so Grab your uh, your little flyers and uh, envelopes. They're out there in the foyer, and take home with you, and and be in prayer about that. And Mike is here, so we can start. Yes, yeah, I guess early, like seven. <laughs> Hunter don't even get up that early for work. Okay, breakfast at nine, preaching at ten next Sunday morning. For pastor appreciation. I think it's pastor's wife appreciation. I think that's what that should be. All right. So we'll eat, and then I guess that means we'll be preaching at 10 next next Sunday. <laughs> yes, I'll tell them. <laughs> if you got your Bibles, turn over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I'll tell you this, for, uh, when I leave here, I got to get going quick again. Nobody died this time, but um, we're, we had a funeral last Sunday. Um, actually, I had one yesterday. I've got to get to the high school. My nephew, Cody, is playing in a, it's a, it's called Able, Able Baseball, and it's for special needs kids, and then they do a group for kids, and they do a group for adults, and they've called and asked me if I would be the announcer today because it's the final game. They don't normally do this, but I'm going to get to announce all the, the players and I get to do the uh, the award ceremony for him, so I'm looking forward to that. But I got to get from here to Boone and try to get there by one o'clock, <laughs> so I could get <laughs> set up in the booth and all that stuff. But it is so much fun to watch them play. This is the first year they've done it since since COVID, and it is a blast to watch them them youngins get out there and, and play ball. Acts chapter 16. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be looking back at revival again, like we did last week. Well, last week we preached on what is real revival, and this morning I want to look at what what stops revival we don't talk about that there's a lot of hindrances in in revival there's a lot of hindrances in church in general but we have hindrances that will stop us from having the type of revival that we need not the revival that the church needs but the type of revival that we as individuals need in our lives there are hindrances we know what the main hindrance is and that's the devil uh, and that's we're going to talk a little bit about that but it's a it's a little bit deeper than that when we get into it the definition for hindrance is somebody or something that prevents or makes it difficult for somebody to do something, an act of obstructing progress. That's a hindrance. Whatever it might be in this life, that is a whatever's stopping you from progressing, whatever's stopping you from uh, doing better or doing good, whatever stops you from doing that is a hindrance. Somebody or something that prevents or makes it difficult for somebody to do something. Whatever it is, whatever stops us. Right now, Abby is a hindrance to, to Clayton because he wants to tear that stuff down off the, the wall. That's a hindrance. 
that's, that's, thank you, Abby, for being the hindrance because <laughs> we'll have to clean that mess up. But Satan doesn't want us to have or experience real revival. Satan, if you look at Satan himself, he doesn't want us here today. He wants us to be somewhere else. There are, there, Satan says there's better places for you to be on a Sunday than, than church. He doesn't even want us to be sitting in the pews today. But when he finds out that we're going to have a Bible school, we're going to have a revival, we're going to have a singing, we're going to have a fellowship, he will be a hindrance to that. He will make us do things or, or cause something to happen where we cannot be a part of the fellowship of the church. There are folks that rather be... the that rather we not have revival because it might cramp their style or they might lose a little influence. That, <clears throat> that actually is not people from outside the churches. A lot of times those hindrances are from folks inside our churches. Well, we ain't done it. We don't do it. We, we don't do it that way. And we'll talk about tradition later, but there are folks that say that cramps my style. I've got certain shows that I like to watch on a Sunday night and a Monday night and a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night, so I'm not going to go to Revival because that's going to cramp my lifestyle. I'm not willing to give up my personal things to hear the word of the Lord. I'm not going to do that. Satan won't freely give up territory that has been holding that he's been holding for years. He holds our nights, believe it or not. Satan holds our time that we have on a Monday night or a Sunday night or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday, Satan holds those nights dear to himself because he knows typically we're not in church. And so he's going to hold on to those. And when we make a plan and we pray about it and the Lord allows us to have a revival meeting, when God finally calls out his man to come and preach revival for us, that really makes the devil mad because it th throws uh, a, his plans into a tailspin. He doesn't want that. It won't be the loss that will hinder revival. It will be the people of God that will hinder revival from coming to the church because of pride, because of personal obligations sometimes, good or bad, that will stop us from having a real, true revival in our churches. In order for us to have revival, we need to understand that there are hindrances, and there will always be hindrances, whether it be revival or church in general. If you got your Bible open, stand with me just a moment. Chapter 16, Acts 16, verse 16. <clears throat> Bible says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of div uh, divination met us, which brought her masters so, or much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of, her, of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. 
who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we come to you this morning, and God, we just ask for your blessings upon this service. Bless those that are here. Be with those that are not here, God, and I pray that you keep them safe. Uh, God, we pray today again for this revival. We pray for Brother Jason as he prepares. We pray for the church members as we prepare our hearts. God, we pray for this community as they prepare as well. Folk, uh, there's, there's folks in this area that need Jesus. There's folks in this area right now that need to feel that free pardon of sin that Jesus Christ can give them. And I pray, God, today as we pray and prepare, Lord, that we would lead them here. And, Lord, I pray that through the words that will be preached and what will be said and done here, it would lead those folks to salvation. God, we do want to lift up this community to you right now. As, as other churches are preparing as well for these revivals, I pray, God, that if they not come here to receive that free gift of salvation, God, I pray that they'd find themselves in a church pew somewhere and hear the Word of God being preached and feel that draw of the Holy Spirit. And God, we thank you again today for your many blessings. We thank you again for salvation. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for this church. And I pray, God, that you would continue to bless, move, and grow right here at Chestnutdale. All this in your Son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So last week we talked a little bit about wildfire. Oh, wildfire. We got, we got this thing that goes on, and we see this in churches, and we hear about it going on where we're Folks are barking like dogs and roaring like lions, and they're they're making a big old making a big show out of or the or the rooster or the chicken like I was talking about last week too, where they get around clucking and strutting around like they ought not be doing. Wildfire is a hindrance to revival. The shows that are put on during revival are a hindrance. It draws you off. That's why, and I will say this, and we're recording the world will hear it whenever I get it posted after a while. That's why I don't like instruments in our music i don't like the drums and i don't like all the 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 things that go along with it what we have is just enough because if you do there's science behind this that says that the the drums mess with you it messes with you it messes with your mind it messes with your core when you hear the 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 beats of the drum it takes away from the music that's a hindrance to, to worshiping. There's distractions there. That is, to me, is a wild type of wildfire that goes on. Wildfire is anything that distracts us and keeps us from real fire, which is true revival. And that's what we should be praying for. We should be praying for, for of course, for the lost, for salvation for the lost. But we've got to be praying for real fire to rain down from heaven. We've got to pray that God would send down the Holy Spirit that would pour down upon us, that he would open up the windows of heaven and just pour it out and continue to pour it down on us, not just for those four or three or four nights that we're going to be having revival, but that it will continue and not just here. I pray that when Brother Jason leaves his church and he goes back, back to Mount Lebanon, that it continues to pour out on that precious church as well. But it just keeps raining down. We need real fire in our churches. Not, not just a little spark. Sparks are good. It starts a fire. But we need real fire in our churches, not wildfire. Satan is the wildfire that we've got to be careful with. Wildfire, not real fire, tells you you're all right just like you are. Again, that's the devil. When the devil gets a hold of you, he says, you're fine like you are. You don't need a change. You don't need this Jesus. You don't need brothers and sisters in Christ in your life. You're just fine like you are. Don't worry about going. Don't worry about being at church. 
Wildfire, not real fire, says it's okay to justify your sin because nobody's perfect. Ain't one of us perfect, and we all try to justify our sin. I lied because, I stole because, I did this because. We try to justify our sins. Ain't nobody perfect. We know that. There wasn't but one perfect man in this world, and that was Jesus Christ. I'm striving to be as close to him as possible, but I'll never achieve perfection until I get to heaven. I can't, on this side of heaven, I can't do it because I'm flesh, because I'm, I have a, a carnal mind sometimes, because of the flesh, because of the fall of man, and because of the sin that is in our lives from the day we're born to the day we die, I'm going to sin, which means I can't be perfect. If you have no sin, you are perfect. And again, there was only one who had no sin, and he was perfect. But the devil's going to try to tell you you could justify it because nobody's perfect. Wildfire, not real fire, elevates experience over the truth of the Word of God. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. We can't have revival without the Word of God. I, I guarantee you, if Brother Jason was to come in here the first night and not crack his Bible open and start preaching or reading the Word of God, I would say something that night to him afterwards. Because you cannot have a service without the Word of God. Now, he might quote Scripture, and that's one thing. But you can't just get up here and try to make people feel good. Revivals, a lot of times people think revival is to make you feel good. Nine times out of ten, revival makes you feel pretty bad when you leave because the preacher's going to be preaching on things that, that we're doing, things that we are doing against God, sin, and, and, and the things that we are not to be doing against God. And so he brings that out. The preacher will bring that out. So sometimes you leave here feeling kind of guilty for the way that you're acting. But it's that barking like dogs and roaring like lions I talked about last week that distracts us from being obedient to God. We don't mind the Lord when there's distractions. We're not following the Word of God when there are distractions. Satan is that wildfire. Jesus is the real fire. And this girl that we were reading about here in, in in the Bible, or in a chapter 16, this girl was a distraction for Paul and for Silas, and they recognized this fire. They said, this is, not, no, they didn't really say this, but in their, if you was to put that in our text today, they could say, this, this lady right here, this lady right here, that's, that's not real fire, that's wildfire right there. You don't want to mess with that. What we got inside our heart, what we're preaching, what we're all about is real fire. What we have that we are presenting to you as a lost, uh, a lost community or a lost world that we're in right now, what we present to you is the real fire, is Jesus Christ. What she's got going on, that's fake. That's not, that's not of God. That right there is of the devil. This girl, she was excited, she was loud, she looked and sounded spiritual. We get that sometimes, but the problem was it wasn't real, and her life didn't back up what she was saying. I don't know, Keith, if you read this, if you come up with this a while ago, but you said something that, and I wrote it down. I hope this is original from you. Let my actions be a reflection of my heart. Do you remember saying that? Where'd you find that? Up there. I wrote that down because that is good. Let my actions be a reflection of my heart. It gave me chills when you said that. This lady right here was not doing that. Her actions did not reflect her heart because she was fake. 
her enthusiasm wasn't motivated by the Holy Spirit. It was an emotion. It was a distraction. It was motivated by Satan in order to distract Paul and Silas. There will be distractions, I promise you. In the next couple weeks, we're going to have distractions. It's going to hit us. What I dread the worst is the fact that we are so busy at work right now that there's going to be something pop up that week of revival that's going to end up being a distraction for me. And I know the devil's going to use that because this is our busy month. This is October. This is when everybody gets married in the mountains. And we're going to end up with something that's going to distract me. It's like yesterday. We had, was having this little birthday party, and they called me right as I was walking in, and they had wrecked one of our vans. I, I knew it was coming. They wrecked one a month ago, hit by a drunk driver. But it's a distraction. It's the way the devil, he, we were so focused on having a good day with Clayton, and the devil still used a distraction, a hindrance to try to stop us from having a good time. And I still had a good time. I said, I'll talk about it Monday. I'm not going to deal with it today. We need real fire in our churches, not, not this wildfire stuff that just distracts us from, from doing what God wants us to do. We've got to be focused on real fire. Secondly, false professions is a hindrance to revival. Look at verse 17 again. It says, The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are, of, are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, if we, if we listen to the words of this girl, she says, these men are servants of the Most High God. And that's true. They truly, we knew, we know who Paul and Silas are. We know that they are, at that time, of the Most High. They, they were recognized. They were, um, they were great preachers. They were great men of God. So they were great servants of, of the Most High God. So we know that's true. And then she says, which show us, or show unto us the way of salvation. That's true too. She's telling the truth. They're godly men, and they're showing us the way to salvation. So she was not wrong about that right there. She's saying all the right things. She's making a, a good profession, but the problem is what she needed was what they were preaching. She needed salvation. She needed and a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. People can say all the right things. There are, um, Brother Dwayne Tester, I remember when he had revival down at Zimble Baptist Church a few years ago. I mean, this was, it was a great revival, an awesome revival. And one of the deacons there got saved that night, or one of the nights that were there. And he talked about this right here himself. He said, for years I could say all the right things. For years I could, I could get into the, the Bible and I could quote you Scripture from, uh, from the beginning to the end. I could tell you stories. I could break down a parable and tell you exactly what it meant. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was chairman of the deacons. I could do great things. I never had Jesus. And he was saved. Just like this lady right here, she could do and say all the right things, but she just did not have that relationship with Jesus that she needed. We make big, a big mistake when we believe that everyone who walks down the aisle here and gets saved is truly saved. They have that salvation. We, in our hearts, we want it to be true, but there are so many people that have walked down and asked Jesus into their heart, but they really didn't do it. A lot of times it was emotion. A lot of times it was just because other people are doing it. I did it when I was eight. My sister did it when she was seven. 
So many people have done it where they just come down the aisle just as a show, just as a show, but there was never a profession of faith that actually took place. And that's just, that's just the truth right there. It happens. There was a, a young preacher that took on a, a church, his very first church he ever took on. And it was a good little church. Voted him in, and he started preaching, and he got involved in the church, and he was going out and, 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 and getting to know the members of the church. And as he got to know the members of the church, he realized some of the ungodly things that they were doing as members outside the church. And as he seen that, he would always take note of this ungodly thing. And at some point during his sermons, he would try to work that into the sermon to, to help reassure folks that what they were doing was ungodly, and they needed to turn away from that sin. Well, of course, there was that one person. You know, there's always the one. And there was that one person. And it was a little old lady, and she was in her Sunday school class, and she got to complaining about the preacher. And she said, ever since that preacher came here, he's been preaching hot and heavy on topics. And she said, it's so bad. When I go home after church, I'm having to take two Valium. It's so bad. And one of the, one of the, the people in the class said, well, if you just get saved, you wouldn't have to take those Valium. And that's the truth. If she just had Jesus, it wouldn't bother her as bad. She was under conviction. She, the Holy Spirit was convicting her about what was going on, and it was bothering her. Through the years, many have walked the aisle and made professions of faith, but they were never regenerated. They were never actually saved. It was all lip service and not a heart service. They were never born again. When you're saved, you're truly born again. Your profession is going to be followed by change and obedience. Paul tells us that, that we become a new creature. So with salvation, we will see those, we, again, we will see those people that have an immediate change. And you said, Maria, what's that girl's name you work with? Ashley. Ashley was saved a couple months ago, I guess, over at Perkinsville Baptist Church. And she's, she's on fire. I mean, all she wants to do is talk about it, talk about, give her testimony, talk about church, talk about the things she's doing. And she's got a, a Maria gave her a, several books that she's been reading, and I mean, she's just, she's on fire. And I talk about Toby Hicks from down at Beach Valley when we was there. He was the same way, just on fire. It's just, he got it, that day he got it, and when he walked out of that church, that's all he's done ever since then. And he really, honestly, he's, he's battling what, stage four cancer right now, and he ain't let up yet. He's still going hard and strong. And he's, he, he is, he's just in love with Jesus, and he wants that to go. So some people have that immediate change, and some people it's a gradual change, and some people you can't really even see a change that much. Maybe it's because they were already a pretty good person, and they didn't have a lot in their lifestyle that they needed to change. But you will see that change, and that change uh, with salvation comes change in obedience, the obedience to the Lord as well. People will say, I come from... And I, and I hate that. I can't stand it when people do this. I come from a long line of Baptists. I was born a Baptist. You was not born a Baptist. Sorry. You was born a sinner is what you was born as. But they'll say, I was, I was born a Baptist. And my, my grandma was the, the, the WMU leader. Or my, my grandpa or my uncle was the chairman of the deacons. And I was, what was it they say? I'm Baptist born and Baptist bred and I'll be Baptist when I'm dead. Whatever. They've done, they've done reserved their plot in the Baptist church cemetery. They're that Baptist. Baptists still go to hell. Methodists too. Catholics. Whatever. Just because you're relying on a title, because you're relying on a denomination, doesn't mean you're going to heaven. 
It's salvation, whether you're saved as a Baptist or a Methodist or Episcopalian or Lutheran, whatever. It's that salvation. When we get to heaven, there's not a corner for the Baptist and there's not a corner for the Methodist. There's not a corner for anybody else. We're all going in it together. We're going to have one big old happy family there. But these people that say that they just claim to be Baptist or whatever they are, in their, in their life, they have never served God. And they've never done anything for God. They've never done anything for His church. They just cling to a title. They cling to a denomination. There's some who will, get, will not get anything out of revival because of what they need is not revival. They just need salvation. A lot of people come and just sit because the preacher said, we're having revival. We'd love for you to be here. And they'll just sit. They'll not listen, not participate. They'll not worship. They'll sit. You will get nothing out of it if you just sit. The third thing, tradition is a hindrance to revival. Tradition is a hindrance. Now, this is the one that nobody likes to talk about much. Verse 20 and 21 says, And brought them to these magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. In many churches today, uh, tradition is killing it. Tradition kills churches. We hear that and and. Uh, Hunter's heard this too. We've never done it that way before. You hear that in the fire department. We've never done it this way before. We don't do it this way in our churches. We don't do it this way in our fire departments. We don't do it this way in our homes. We just don't do it this way. We, we, we don't know if it's going to work or not, but we just don't, we don't even want to tempt it. We don't even want to try it. If, if, it's, if it's staying true to the Word of God and it's reaching lost people in the gospel, then we sh- shouldn't have any problem with it. And I'm not saying compromise. I'd never do that. I'm not saying compromise. But as long as we're sticking with the Word of God and it's helping reach the lost people, we're doing a good thing. Tradition, though, will kill revival in any church when you get stuck on tradition. Before God called me into, to pastor this church here, I preached a lot of other churches. Me and Maria and, and the girls at the time, we, we were in a lot of places. I had just a couple weeks break uh, from the time we left Beach Valley until... But we were called up here, but even in prior before Beach Valley, we preached at a lot of places, got to meet a lot of people. Got car sick a couple times, too, trying to find a few of those places, especially when you're pregnant with Paisley. But one church, all right, there's probably a couple churches like this. If you just raised a holy hand, if you grunted that sounded even something similar to an amen, then you get looked at funny because we just don't do it in this church is the way they, they would say it. We, we just sit and we listen and we go home. We don't do anything else. It's because tradition has blocked the Holy Spirit. The, look, think about the Holy Spirit as a pipe. And tradition is that hair that clogs that pipe up. <laughs> Not my hair. <laughs> I mean, I got three girls at the house, and I spend every other week, it seems like, cleaning drains out. And I think about it, and that's, that's, that's the way I think about it. I think of their hair as tradition. And that, that tradition is what clogs up the church. It clogs up the Holy Spirit. It doesn't allow the Holy Spirit to flow into our church because we're so hung up on tradition that we don't allow the Holy Spirit to, 
pour itself out into our churches. Tradition blocks the flow of the Holy Spirit. We, we bind God and hold him to only act in the way that he has in the past. He, he's, just, he's only moved when we do this, this, and this. Well, have you tried something else that might allow him to move, to allow the Holy Spirit to move? He might just want to do a new thing. Isaiah 41, 9 says, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. I believe because that's Old Testament, we just kind of look over that. But he says, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. These men teach customs that is unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice in. They were stuck on tradition. There was a new thing, a new fad, a new, I will say it, a new religion coming through here, and they did not like it. And, and they took it to the higher-ups, and they said, these men are, are teaching customs. They're teaching a new thing, and we don't like it because it's not what we're used to. What they're saying is they're trying to get us to do something that we've never done before. They're trying to get us to hear about this Jesus. They're trying to get us to hear about their God. And we're not used to this, and we feel uncomfortable, and we don't like this, and so we need you to do something about it. That uncomfortable feeling that they were feeling was conviction. That's what they were feeling at the time, and they, they didn't know what to do with it. So this is a hindrance to revival. As soon as people get excited in the church and things start happening, they get nervous. They get a little bit nervous. I don't know. I don't know if we need to go. Here, here this is the big one right now. Not here. I'm, I'm talking about in general with churches. It's planned Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right there, four nights. But on Wednesday night, if you used to say, I think we could go one more night, that's, that's, your, that's where people start feeling uncomfortable. They'll say, ugh. You know, you said we was going to go through Wednesday, so I made, I made supper plans Thursday night with my family. Or I made plans to work late a little bit Thursday night, so I, I don't know about this. I don't know. People don't like that. They, they get to feel a little bit uncomfortable because we've always done it just for four nights. And I didn't do it for four For four nights, that was unheard of in my church growing up. Well, it was a week-long revival. You started Sunday and you end on Saturday, or you might end on Sunday. Or you might go a couple weeks. We didn't put a time frame on it. I, I know Preacher Ray for a while, he wouldn't even put an end date on his revivals. He'd say, we were going to start revival on this day. When we do the spring revival in May, he'd say, we'll start. And he'd have preachers start on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And then a preacher would come in that night, 6 p.m. And then for the week, and I say the week, every morning at 10 a.m., there was preaching. Every evening at 6 p.m. or 7 p.m., there was preaching, but he never put a time frame on it, or a date frame, sorry. He never put an end date on it because he said, I don't know. He said, I'm going to mind the Spirit, and I'm going to keep going as long as he'll let us go. We have these people that get nervous whenever things start going well in, our, in revival services and going well in the churches, and they try to put out the fire out of fear of what we might be, that we might be doing something we've never done before. We've never been to church on a Thursday night. I have never sat in a pew on a Friday night. This don't feel right. This don't feel good. And I pray we wouldn't experience any hindrances to the revival, but I'm not naive. I'm not a naive preacher. I know, I know the devil's going to try something. 
I know he'll try something. Me and Brother Daniel Lawrence was talking the other day up at New River. See, I only see him at New River. I don't ever see him at church. I always see him at New River. Me and him was up there talking the other day. I know I mentioned this to y'all last week where he said he hadn't been in revival since COVID. We haven't been in revival since COVID, and he was here with us then. But the one thing we talked about is every time he tried to plan a revival, he would have an outbreak of COVID in his church. And he said, that's the devil. COVID has been that hindrance. COVID has been our hindrance. And it stopped him from having revival. And he said, out of the safety of our church, you can't have it because of what could happen, making others sick. But we've got to watch it. Satan is going to try to stop it. And I pray that we will search our hearts and truly desire a real, true, spirit-filled revival. I mean, search your hearts and pray hard for this thing. Now, if you look a little bit further down in the chapter, I believe we're going to find the ingredients for revival. If you look at verse 25, let me get turned over here. Verse 25 says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. There's three things right there in that little verse that that's like the key ingredients for revival. It's prayer, praise, and passion. They prayed. They sung praises, and they had passion behind what they were doing. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Then there is the praise, which is when they sang it, and sang praises unto God. Then there is that passion, and the passion is, and the prisoners heard them. That passion is what I think we miss a lot of times. We get the praying in, and we'll get the singing in or the praising in, but it's the passion, and the passion is what you take with you. The passion is what we see whenever we come back to church the next night and we see more people here. It's because that passion that you have inside of you now, you've taken that outside the church walls, and you've told people what an amazing service we are having, what an amazing revival we are having that you can truly feel the Holy Spirit inside our church. You can feel it. And that passion goes with you, and folks will come back with you to church the next night. But we have no doubt right there that there was passion in their praise. They're able to rise above their circumstances and praise Jesus. If you go back and look just verse 17 and down a little ways, it plainly told us that they were beaten, that they took them, and it says the magistrates rent their clothes, they ripped their clothes off. They were so mad. And they proceeded to, to beat these guys and then throw them in jail. And Paul and Silas rose above their circumstances. Folks, we don't have that kind of circumstance in our life. There is no reason that we cannot have a true spirit-filled revival. We don't have to deal with the Romans, and we're not having to deal with these magistrates, and we're not having to deal with government trying to shut down our churches. We're not dealing with that. So we have no real hindrance to our revivals besides ourself. Ourself is the real hindrance to true worship. Those are the ingredients, though. That prayer, that passion, that praise that they had, those are the ingredients that each one of us should have in our hearts. Now, I want you to look a little bit further down, and we're going to see the intention of real revival right here. In verse 30, And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That is right there. Folks, that's what happens with revival. You get prayer. 
involved, and you get praise involved, and you get passion involved, and you get salvation involved in somebody's life. That's why we stress over these revivals. We need it. We need to be rejuvenated. We need to be re-energized. We need that as Christians, yes, but there's a lost community around us that needs salvation. That's what happened. Paul, Silas, they prayed, they praised, there was passion, and then the guard after the earthquake and, and nobody left, you know, he's getting ready to commit suicide. And after he realized everybody's still here, he realized how big a God these two served. And he said, what must I, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? That's, that's what happens when you pray, when you praise, and when you have passion. We will see salvation. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's why we, the church, need revival so that we can have an impact on the lost. We need to have that impact on this community. We need to have that impact on those that are bound for hell right now. We need to have it. And we need to leave this place today and next Sunday and Wednesday and every other day that we leave this church with a passion, a desire to help bring the lost to Jesus Christ. That's what we, we're not going to leave here and go to jail. I would go to jail if, if, if it come down to it for the way I preach. If it put me in jail, so be it. I'm guilty. And I'd go to jail and I'd preach the same way there. I wouldn't change nothing. I don't, I'm not going to change my ways. But we don't have to leave our churches feeling like we're going to be persecuted. When, we don't, when you leave church, don't feel persecuted. Feel passion. Feel a desire. Feel a conviction to reach the lost. Be convicted. I hope you feel convicted for the lost that are around us. We need to impact the lost. We need to have a big impact on the lost. And I said it last week, and I'm, I'll say it again uh, today. And, and because of this revival that's coming up, I feel very strongly that we continue as a church to pray over this revival and over Brother Jason as well and each other. And so that's the way I'd like to dismiss again this Sunday. I'd like to have a time around the altar and pray for this. And then uh, we'll, we'll just leave from the altar and you can go on about your business if you want to. But I'd encourage you, if you would, just come up here this morning for just a few minutes. And we're just going to pray for this revival. Pray for Brother Jason and pray for this church as well. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we have come back to this altar again this morning, on behalf of this church, the members, this community, this country, on behalf of Brother Jason Cornett, Father, on behalf of Mount Lebanon, Lord God, on behalf of the lost in this community, Father God, I pray today that you would just have a touch. Have your, your will and way right here with us. God, I pray, Father, that you would have um, just having... Uh, just a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon this church. God, I pray as, as we look forward to this in the next couple of weeks, that, God, that you would continue to line things up perfectly for each one of us. God, I pray that those hindrances that we spoke about, God, I pray that, that they would be bound. 
and placed outside the church. Father God, I pray that we not bind up you in the spirit, but Lord, I pray we'd bind up the demons. Lord, I pray we'd bind up Satan. God, I pray that we as a church would collectively bind up any hindrances that we have in our hearts and place them outside this church. God, we don't need that. We don't need that in our lives right now. We don't need the hindrances in our lives right now. Father, what we need right now is help. And God, only that can come from you. And I pray, God, this morning that you would continue to, to prepare our hearts, not just this church, but each individual heart that's here. I, God, I pray that you would just continue to prepare each one of us, prepare our homes as well for this revival. And God, I want to lift up Brother Jason to you this morning. God, as he is preparing himself, God, I pray that you would just remove any hindrances that may be in front of him. Remove anything that's stopping his study, stopping his time with you, stopping his prayer time. Lord, anything that's stopping his family time. God, I pray that you would just be with him. And Lord, we lift him up to you. And God, we lift up his family to you as well. And God, they're a part of this. They're a huge part of this. And I pray, God, that you would be with Mount Lebanon as they're doing the exact same thing right now. Lord, they're lifting up their pastor to you as he prepares. And God, I pray again that you would leave these doors wide open for this community to come in. Lord, I pray that we would have those lost souls come in to, to meet with you. Lord, I pray that you would just touch their hearts. We thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. Thank you for again for your blessings. And Lord, thank you for this time of preparation as we prepare for this revival. I'll listen in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.